Hello and welcome to My Property World. I'm Will Mallard and today I'm joined again by Josh Munt and John Cox. We're going to be discussing the topic of how to de-risk your property business. Uh, and we've got two um, quite experienced insurance professionals who uh, are involved in the property world. And um, you're very welcome, lads. Thanks for having us. So, John, uh, for the benefit of the, the listeners who don't know you, um, do you want to give us a 20-second rundown on uh, who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, hi, Will. Good to um, catch up with you again. Um, yeah, basically, John Cox, we've um, got a couple of property-centric businesses that we've had um, over 15-plus years now. So uh, they, they, it's just through those businesses we've just been able to um follow the various property strategies and the way people are making money out of property um so we've got you know finance and insurance and side of things and the, the one we're looking to to chat through today is just um on the insurance side of things and protecting people's you know a lot of people spend a hell of a lot of time um, building assets um but we obviously look to protect them as well so um yeah, been doing it for a number of years, and it's just it's just really really. I love I love property. Just it's so flexible what you can do with property. So it's always got my attention. And uh, you you and Josh uh, work together. So so Josh, uh, your your twenty seconds about uh, you and what you're up to. Yeah, so for for me, it's mainly heading up the day to day parts of insurance desk services and running the insurance business. Uh, and John touched upon there. Many people are focused on building a portfolio and, and, and making as much money as possible which is great but often forget about insuring it and how it could really save money hassle and a lot of stress it's so key when things go wrong to have the right insurance in place and that's where we fit in we've got products built for the property industry and many different aspects of property to make sure that things are done quick uh, and also claims are paid so when people are at their worst times, they've got support there to, to help get them back as quick as possible. One of my um, uh, recent guests, Jay Anthony Howard, who's one of the, uh, the leading, uh, I suppose, experts in the UK on auctions, uh, is a prolific um, property trader in his own right. And he was telling me a story about the very first property he brought and yes. he brought it for cash as a 17 year old and this the the purchase as a 17 year old was using profits that he'd you accumulated uh while working for the the previous couple of years which is pretty good going for a 17 year old now uh he brought that option and um so that in itself uh, is quite an interesting story in it, uh, just to that point. But the property he brought was a commercial premise which uh, had a funeral, um, uh, a funeral, uh, I suppose, home in there. And they had, um, not long after he purchased it, uh, there was an existing uh, lease in place and it was cash flowing nicely. Um, but the building insurance uh, kicked in because there was a fire and it burnt down. <laughs> so yep. 
Um, I've never had a place burn down myself, but it goes to show uh, that you really do need your insurance. Um, uh, and that's, that's kind of like a obvious sort of high level uh, buildings insurance around the asset. But there's a, a whole other aspect of um, as you're going through your property journey, you, you typically uh, you know, start off on your own and then often you'll, you'll go into a, um, a family or, or you're in with your, your life partner or, or perhaps your kids or, or your parents. Um, and then at some point, uh, increasingly, uh, that then turns into a, uh, a slightly larger venture, which may have other shareholders, and you're, you're in a limited company for, uh, you know, for other financial reasons. Now, what would be really handy is, is to talk about what are the big risks, I suppose, in each of those scenarios. So if you're you're a first-time landlord. You're, you've got a maybe you've got your own property, and you're uh, you've gone and bought your first buy to let. It's you know down the road from your existing one uh, where you're living, your family home, um, and and you you uh, you've brought it. What what are the big risks, guys? What what do you need to be aware of, both in terms of uh, and and this is in your your own name. Yeah, so I would say that the key thing as a small-time landlord, if it's in your own name or even in a limited company, if it's, say, just one property and it's a buy-to-let, the key one is the building's insurance. So that is the key cover. Now, you can break it down into lots of different elements of cover. You can have enhanced or you can go basic. It could be unoccupied. It could be tenanted. The tenant types could be very different. So there's a lot of different aspects, but simply put, building's insurance is the key one to get done upon exchange. Okay, and, and um, so um, what what would you see typically as people getting wrong in that building's insurance? The key one all the time is the rebuild values. It, it does come up quite a lot. Um, it's, it's something that isn't well understood and it's not on purpose. I think it's a lot of things that, you know, people aren't focused on insurance. They see it as a, a thing that they take after all the other due diligence has been done. So rebuild values can be mistaken for market values. And that is the, the common misconception where people insure it for the market value. It's too low. And that's where insurers can deduct any claim by the percentage of the underinsurance. So I think that's the key thing to focus on with any property is the rebuild value. Right. And there's a range of scenarios going through my mind, depending on where the property's located and what it is that would, that would yeah. affect that. So obviously a, uh, a bigger property, um, say up north, is going to be a bit different than a um, a smaller property in uh, prime central London. Where... Exactly, yeah, exactly. And and a lot of the times up north, strangely, you'll see the rebuild values more than the market value. So it's a case whereby rebuilds are the cost to construct the property as is, but also professional fees removal of debris come into play 
So a lot of times you may purchase properties, say north of the border in Scotland, 40, 50,000 pounds even. Lenders and rick surveyors will have a rebuild of 120, 130,000. So it's vastly different. Um, and that's always one that people can't get their head around is why it costs more to rebuild than it is to buy it. So up north can cause confusion. And then further south you go, the more the values tend to go up. And that's where underinsurance um, also comes into play because you could you could be thinking actually it's it's only worth two hundred thousand to rebuild, but actually it's three fifty, four hundred. It's impossible to get correct unless you've got a RICS valuation on it or a lender who would tend to use a RICS calculator anyway to give you the value. Interesting. And and what about the the next level? Uh, so your um, you might have uh, got married or or your uh, your kid or, or you're the kid and you convince your parent uh, to go in and you're, you're going a little bit bigger um, and you're expanding out. So there's multiple people involved, maybe multiple generations. Um, what, what are the, the big risks uh, in that? I think, John, you could probably start on the uh, protection side of things there. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously... You've got to look at you know where the where the income is coming from. If if people, a lot of people have still got main jobs and that you know property sometimes can be sort of like a side a side gig a side hustle initially. And you've got to um, you know a lot of people ditch their main job and go straight into property. And sometimes that can make them unmortgageable. So it's it's better to um, keep a foot in both camps as long as you possibly can. But I think I think it's you, you know you tend to find that if you've got a couple that's doing property, you might have one person that's you know the properties could be in a couple's names or you know two brothers could be doing it, two sisters that doesn't really matter. Um, you might find one person who's doing more of the property than the other person. Um, so you've just got to you've got to roll that forward. You know if you if you've got three or four properties um, and something happened to one of the people involved which the properties belong to is it's what's going to happen if that person was the, the you know the, the one that got involved with the property so you know i've, I've known it from in, in, in the past where you know one of the partners um you know dies or, or you know is taken seriously ill and isn't able to run the property portfolio um and you know that could take you know you, you could take five six seven years for them to build up four or five properties and you know the first reaction is is the other partner that they're not aware of the you know dealings with the property side of things so they'll just basically sell them and it's almost sort of right against what that person had in, in building up sort of financial independence so you, you can put certain protections in place you you know you could put in in just some pure um, protection to cover some of the debt um, on the portfolio so you can literally turn you know what become mortgage properties into unmortgaged properties just by having some self-cancelling debt on that and it's you know very very um, cheap to organize that um, or you could even just have a proportion of um, something like large cover in place to 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 generate you know fifty thousand a hundred thousand pounds which will give you an amount of time where you haven't got to then um, sort of have any sort of fire sale or you haven't got to make a panic decision where you could employ um you know someone or you could outsource those portfolios 
So you're, you're, you're basically not having to make a, a knee-jerk reaction. But things like that, um, critical illness is another good thing as well. It's, it's sort of like, um, they used to call it sort of half-dead insurance, where, you know, it's quite common that people can suffer a, a critical illness. You know, I think statistically, people, a lot of people can have a heart attack and, you know, six months later, they're back at work. Um, a lot of people suffer major illnesses, but they're back at work or performing um, of some types of work tasks, you know, six to 12 months later. But things like critical illness um, will pay out a lump sum on the diagnosis of, of, of something like, you know, cancer. Um, so these sort of things are, are certainly worth considering, um, along with, you know, making sure you've got, you know, if, if, if you've got other people that are not family related or you know like key person insurance so it's basically just making sure if, if some you know something prevented that person from doing that specific role in that property business um you know how can you deal with it what can what can de-risk the implications of that person not being around or unable to perform their tasks and, and um, where where you go up into that that next sort of tier where you're in a a larger property partnership and it might be in a limited company with uh, with four or five other people, you know, three, four, five, mm. six people involved uh, as directors and, and shareholders. Uh, what are the, the key risks uh, at, at that level? I think out, outside of, from, from what John was saying there, from outside the injuries, the death and that protection side of things, you've also got liabilities for, well, your professionalism. So any wrongful acts, the breaches of duty, um, any neglect, errors, misstatements, misleading statements could all have an effect on outside investors, um, could have effect on previous directors. So that's where directors of companies should be looking at directors and officers cover. Uh, and that again is covering each director personally for any wrongful acts um, in their duty as a director of that business. I think they're a lot more exposed when there's other directors and other investors and third parties involved because of, there's a lot more that people rely on individual acts as such. And, and particularly as, you know, there's a overwhelming trend towards there being more compliance required mm -hmm. uh, and all, all sorts of things. And in general, like I, I think the professionalism or professionalization of the property industry is, is by and large a good thing, um, but there's a, a lot of a lot of uh, checklists that need to be ticked off and things signed off at particular points of time. And if they're not done, the uh, there is an exposure. And protecting yourself in that uh, those various situations, I think, is quite important. Um, obviously, the best protection is to uh, be on top of the compliance, but uh, if something falls through the cracks, um, it's very easy to get in trouble. It, precisely that. I couldn't say it better myself. And that's where if you are trying to stop it at the front end by being you know, as professional and, and doing all your due diligence as you can, look, people make mistakes. And that's why you take an insurance policy for the what ifs. And the director's cover is something key the bigger you are, especially if you've got employees, there's a lot more employment practice liability around. Um, we're forever becoming 
more and more like the US of A, whereby people are turning to legal action straight away without any mediation. So director's cover is really key, the bigger you get, um, just protecting you for those legal issues, the defense costs, the expenses, the time that can come with those claims. It, it can be worth its weight in gold. And, and it's uh, increasingly frequent, like you, you would see uh, like high profile cases that are um, you know, around particular uh, areas of neglect by a, uh, often a, you know, a, a smaller landlord not doing what they're supposed to do. But equally, some of the largest housing associations in the country are, are regularly in and out of court um, with, uh, with matters that uh, it's the same stuff. And, and these are often organizations with hundreds, if not thousands of employees. Um, and as a small property organization, you, you want to make sure that you're, uh, you've, you've got your basis covered. Um, and, and what would be the, uh, the best question do you think that a, uh, a property investor could ask themselves uh, around risk? I mean, you, what, one, of the, um, one of the things you could do is a contingency plan. Most businesses should have one. And, and obviously a lot of property people, I think, sometimes don't think they're running a business. So doing a property contingency plan. But I would, I would say when people are getting into business with, you know, more one shareholder, so, you, you know, you're going from, from a couple of, you know, um, two shareholders and directors upwards, then a big, big problem that you might tend to find is they both may have partners. And if one of those partners were to die, you know, the, the surviving partner is in business with the deceased spouse. Um, and, and suddenly, you know, again, coming back to the conversation earlier, is the person that's remaining probably is not into property but they're going to have a different opinion of, of that value of that business. The person that, you know, one person's probably going to think it's worth a million pounds and the other person that just lost their partner might think it's worth two million. Invariably that'll end up in one place and that's just the courts to suicide. So doing some basic shareholder protection and valuing the company, you know, on uh, in, before that happens is, is critical. And then you can put some very straightforward measures in place that um, will just mean that that's, you know, any downside of, of that happening from a financial point of view is, is eradicated. Um, those sort of things, are, are, I would think, are just um, very straightforward to put in place, but a lot of people just don't go through the sort of implications of um, what happens if something happened to one of the um, members of the team, effectively. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, People will insure a lot of things in life, like your mobile phone, all the tangible assets that, you know, your house, your car. But people tend to forget about their own selves, their lives and the businesses. And, but they're just as important um, to make sure the cover's correct. Yeah, I think another thing that um, I, I, I get horrified by uh, is the number of contracts that are, are signed but not really read or understood in any great detail by, by people who uh, are in business. 
and particularly in property. Um, how, uh, how do you cover that with your own clients? Good question. Good question. Depending what sort of sector they're in, if it's very much in the building trade or if it's whereby they are property owners and they're signing for services um, or, or businesses that are you know, taken on other businesses. There's a, there's a lot of different contracts to use. I mean, the best way to do it is you always speak with legal representation make sure you, you you do all your due diligence because the onus is on you insurance is there for mistakes and errors that could cost the parties generally but not first party covering mistakes in in you know not reading something correctly because once you've signed something and it's not correct if you're not happy with it you could be in trouble to try and get out of it um i think legal expenses cover it is is always a good add-on if you you're a property owner you could have it onto your building's portfolio and legal expenses can potentially give you some support if you've entered into contracts that potentially a third party have made errors or there are questionable doubts on on the terms i would say that's that's a key area um, if you do want to look at some protection on the legal side yeah and from your, your point of view, John, uh, what are you thinking uh, in terms of de-risking things for your clients? Um, similar sort of thing is, is I think you've got to, you've got to go through um, the desirable outcomes, really, and, and just see, you know, if we're doing a, I mean, if we were doing a project for, for someone on the, on the land side of things, you know, I mean, very fortunate I've got, there's two people in the business, so but you 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 would want it to make sure that any contract you I mean all our contracts from the land side of things are all professionally drafted by by lawyers, but you you know you want things like potentially like step in rights. So you know, for example, if if something had happened um, to you know say we signed a bit of land up and we were going you know we put in twenty thirty thousand pounds for planning um, costs into into a site and it's got you know several year option agreement on it. And something happened to the people that we've we've optioned you know you want to make sure that you know we've got we've still got the um control over that site to move it on um and it's you know it doesn't fall away with um with the death of the of, of the owner so you know in, in in a case you know where we're um you know you, you've got to you've literally got to cut, look and, and see how you can cover off eventualities that are unlikely to happen but we know in the, you know in the same way josh has spoken to um about buildings you know issues i mean we you know we constantly get phone calls from clients that have taken um you know taken a phone call and the property has been either been trashed by tenants um you know they've got a cannabis claim or there's a fire or flood or all those sort of things so i mean there's you know there's a lot of things that we try and do when we when we talk to clients you know there was a big spate of, of of cannabis farms being set up um so we would you know any sort of pattern that we can pick up in in our um sort of network of of, of contacts and across the businesses that we run we would try and pop that information out to the wider community you know that you know if people turn up and they're trying to rent a property from you and they're quite happy to give you six months rent up front and it's sort of like cash type of thing 
you know, you can bet, you know, there's two or three other indicators that you can bet your bottom dollar that's probably going to be a cannabis farm. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely sort of some fact, you know, sort of best best practices guides and, and other things that Josh is very good at pointing out to people when they put insurances on risk of, of any, um, any um, special conditions that insurers will put into documentation that you know like flat roofs have got to be checked every so often and these sort of things so it, it's it's literally trying to um pull out all the detail of things and and you know use your experience of what's gone wrong but you know at the end of the day you know a lot of people do joint ventures don't have contracts written down um so you know there's nothing stopping you just doing a, a very basic heads of terms with anybody you're doing any property venture with and say and just just bullet point in what you're agreeing and then you know at some point in the future if the project doesn't go as you think it should or or whatever you know you can refer back to that documentation and you know you've hopefully covered um some of the points and then it, you know you, you stand a better chance of resolving it equally but a lot of the time it's, it's down to communication you know there's, there's things that you know talk to a lot of people in the property world and you know especially on the development side of things things don't go to plan um costs um problems are found costs overrun time overruns but as long as people communicate back and you know i was i tend to always judge someone by how they solve um issues as opposed to you know you know there's, there's always mistakes made you're not, you're not going to completely eradicate them but it's how someone deals with a mistake to me is more important um and, and that's um, the way the way we try and um, help as many people as we can in that side of thing. Yeah, one, one thing I'd be really interested in is um, you. Uh, there's various statistics around how long uh, someone will live in their their current family home for, um, and, and it you know it's typically a number of years. Um, and I wonder how many um, years is the typical length of time. An investor holds a buy-to-let property, and indeed, um, you know, does that that number change um, uh, when they've got more properties? And what one of the the big risks that um, I, you know, I've been thinking about, you know, just listening to you guys is that over time, there's uh, things change across your portfolio. Um, how often do you think it's a good uh, frequency to review your uh, insurance positions across your portfolio as opposed to just as you're purchasing and uh, doing what most of us do, you know, uh, is just renew what you've got? Yeah, renewal is a, is a very convenient time to make sure everything's correct for the year, year going ahead. But it, there is a, a continuous, um, there's a continuous need to, to do it in certain aspects. So if you're forever changing your portfolio, if you've got a lot of, say, trading, so you're doing a lot of flips, or you're moving tenants around, so you're going from SA, your strategy then goes to maybe HMOs, or you could be going down the housing association route. All these different factors can have a drastic effect on the policy. So an insurer might not actually want to cover certain aspects. So by changing it and not reviewing it, the insurance could be invalidated. So there's always a lot of terms and conditions 
within policies. So it's hard to, to tell, especially with a large portfolio, you don't want to be spending time speaking to your insurer every single change you make. But that's why it's good to have a relationship with a broker, because if you could just drop them an email, a quick one liner, oh, by the way, I'm doing this, does it impact this? it really helps keep on top of things because if you do leave it every single year chances are you might change something throughout that year and the worst case is you've done it a tenant type change and it's invalidated the policy without you even knowing it so long and short of it is 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 to to notify you ensure pretty much every time you do make a change yeah, and, and that that's yeah. a good trigger um you know at that renewal and and getting it lined up um, correctly. Now, Josh, I'd also uh, like to thank you. Um, I've I've found it out that the uh, there's been a number of fantastic posts that John's been making with um, property insurance related content, and I understand you you wrote all of them. So so well done and thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I like to do that. I like to do it. It's good to get more content and knowledge out there. I think the worst case is we we have insurance and we think it's correct and it's not and it doesn't pay out. And the first finger pointing is at the insurance company to say, Oh, look, they've not paid out again. They're crooks. But I think a lot of the time is about education. So we are trying to get as much content out there as possible to make sure everybody knows, knows what they're doing with it really. Well, well that's great. So, uh, John Cox, Josh Munt, um, I'm, I'm Will Mallard. This is My Property World. Lads, thanks once again for uh, joining us. Pleasure. Cheers. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it. Oh, just before we go, uh, how, how would one get hold of you? On the basic, on the general insurance? Yeah, um, yep, the or, website. Yeah, so what, what's the yeah, URL? The website is, is www.insurance-desk.com. And there's well, a lot one more of time for the, the people that were a bit slow grabbing the pen. It's www.insurance-desk.com. And there's a load of content on there and more information on our services. Drop us an email. You can get hold of us directly to me. It's josh at insurance-desk.com. Or you can change josh to info and that will go to our generic inbox. Or give us a buzz 01296. 329610 and they're the, they're the key ways to get in touch lovely stuff thanks guys welcome to my property world a light and informative look at all things property we have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the uk market however we do take examples from all around the property world our aim is for us to make money from property together whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading, or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining, and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to, and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. 
We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, my property world is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.